I wonder if you've ever had a meeting with someone that you were very nervous about uh, before it happened. Uh, often I think nervous meetings happen when there's like a, some sort of power differential. So maybe uh, it's when you've got a meeting with your, your new boss before a job interview, or maybe uh, for some sad reason you have to meet with a politician or something like that, and uh, there's some important figure that you feel uh, nervous about meeting. When we have these sorts of meetings, it's difficult, isn't it? to be confident. I, I, I know when I'm nervous, one of the first things that goes for me is my confidence. Uh, and I start kind of second-guessing myself, I start overthinking everything that I'm going to say, uh, and probably uh, the, the person thinks that I'm uh, some sort of babbling fool instead of a relatively, hopefully, vaguely thoughtful individual. It can be hard to be confident Sometimes. Same thing happens on the sports field. Those of you who are sportsmen will know that if you've got a little bit of confidence, um, that can make up for what you lack in skill. Confidence is remarkably powerful indeed. And of course, one of the remarkable things about being a Christian is that when it comes to approaching God, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the ruler of this world, the one who sustains everything, who created everything, who judges the living and the dead. When it comes to approaching this God, the Bible teaches us, as we heard Robin read today, that we don't need to be nervous Nellies, but we come confidently. Not because Chris Bownich has got something to offer God, but because of Jesus. And this is marvellous news indeed, and we'll come back to that in a moment. But first, let me give you some context for what we're doing today. We're in the middle of this uh, month-long series on every member ministry, a series that's helping us to remember that whilst it's exciting that uh, I work here, and whilst it's even more exciting that Andrea works here, we are not the gophers who do the ministry, rather we are leaders who've been set aside to equip our family, our church together to do the work of ministry, of declaring the praises of God, of calling people to repentance and faith. And we saw last week when we looked at 1 Peter chapter 2, the marvellous identity that all of us share. Let me just recap for you, 1 Peter 2 verse 9. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. That's you. That's not something special that when we gather on Friday night, uh, at 7pm at St David's Cathedral to celebrate Andrea's ordination. That's not something that she steps into exclusively on Friday night. It's something that she and I and you already have through Jesus. This special identity as the people of God. No matter who we are, no matter what we've done, 
when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we are given this new identity, chosen by God. A royal priesthood, God's special possession. It's, it's remarkable, isn't it, that God would consider you special, that God would choose you. And yet he knows all that you've done and all that you will do. And he still chose to send his son to die for you so that he could call you his special possession, his chosen child, his royal priest. And he did that because he wants to call you out of your sin, out of your darkness, and into his marvellous light to declare his praises and to live a holy life. And we can, I could go on again about that, but I did it last week. So uh, let me encourage you to go back and have a listen if you want to dive back into that. But in our reading today, we're reminded once again of the marvellous blessings that God bestows on us through Jesus. Blessings not just for me, not just for our staff, blessings for every single Christian. And of course, what we see really rather remarkably in Hebrews is that this primary blessing that we have as Christians is the ability to confidently come before God. Hebrews 10:19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. The gift of God through Jesus Christ is this wonderful ability to enter the throne room of heaven confidently. Now, I think it's right to say that you and I should go nowhere near God by ourselves. Only a fool would think that they can somehow come into the throne room of the holy, holy God on their own merits and expect it to go well. You would rightfully be a quivering mess. And if you weren't when you walked in, you sure would be once the door opened. But of course, we don't go in on our own merit. We go in sprinkled and cleansed by the blood of Jesus. His death for us pays the price for our sins. It cleanses us and in him we share in his holiness. And so we're able to have assurance that when we come to God in prayer, when we come to God in worship, that God is with us, that he hears us, that he does not reject us. One of the things I often hear when I'm talking to people about church, uh, particularly uh, when I'm doing some work uh, as a defence chaplain, uh, people say to me that they, they I invite, might invite them to church and they say, I can't come to church. If I come to your church, 
the roof will fall in. That God will strike it with lightning and the roof will fall in. And I usually kind of laugh and say, no, no, it's okay, I'm sure that won't happen, you should come along anyway. But I'm thinking that maybe next time I'm going to pray for a little bit of boldness. I'm going to say, you're right. You know, to, to come into God's presence uh, by yourself, God rightfully ought to strike you. But if you come and hear about what Jesus has done for you, that will never happen to you because it happened on the cross. I don't think our conversation would carry on uh, particularly well after I said these things. But nonetheless, it's, they're half right. All of us don't deserve to come into the, into the presence of God. People who say this sort of thing have a right understanding of their position before God. They just don't know the power of Jesus to cleanse them from their sin and to enable them not just to come into church, but to come into the throne room of heaven through prayer and worship. What marvellous news. And when we know this news, and when we experience it, it's part part of what we're doing today, as we gather and we pray and we sing and we hear from God in his word, we're getting caught up through Jesus into the throne room of heaven when we realise that this is what's going on and we, we, we do it with confidence and assurance because we trust in the finished work of Christ on the cross for us, then we have hope. And that's where the writer of the Hebrews goes next. This access to God through Jesus gives us hope. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who has promised is faithful. It is indeed wonderful and a good news story that no matter who we are, no matter what we've done, we can come confidently to God through Jesus Christ. What a marvellous hope indeed. Well, what are we to do with this? What does it mean that you and I and anyone else through Jesus can come confidently to God through faith in Jesus Christ? Well, the writer of the Hebrews suggests that knowing this, we ought to encourage one another to keep on coming to God and to keep on seeking to live holy lives. Let me read to you again from verse 24. Let us consider then how we may spur one another towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Our job is to encourage each other with this truth, of the powerful work of Christ on the cross, of his cleansing, and of the access we have to God through him. And we're to encourage us, each other, not just with that story of what God has done, but with the fact that Jesus will return. All the more as you see the day approaching, the writer to the Hebrews says. We look back and we look forward and we have confidence in the God who is with us now 
whom we can approach through faith. And we encourage each other, not just with the truth of what God has done and what God will do, but with the truth of what God is doing now in our lives as we commit to meeting together. So we think about every member ministry, and the reason I chose this passage is because I think that one of the things that we massively discount in particularly in the West as Christians is the simple act of meeting together and the encouragement that that is. I hope that you'll know some of that in reality today. When you go home from church, you'll be like, that was pretty good. Got to see my friends, got to see my, uh, uh, my brothers and sisters in Christ, got to praise God, got to be encouraged from his word. I should do that again. We massively underestimate the power of simply turning up and being there for one another, a week in, week out. It's a, a remarkably simple yet powerful act. But of course, we're not called to meet together like Elisa's soccer club, which meets together multiple times a week for the purpose of training and playing. We meet together, not for tea and biscuits, good side benefit that they are. We meet together to encourage one another with the news of what God has done, what God will do, and what God is doing in our lives. So let me encourage you to commit to meeting together regularly, to coming to church first, not only if there's nothing better on. And then when you do come, let me encourage you not just to talk about how nice the chips and the biscuits and the t coffee is, but to share something, even just a little bit of your life with someone. To encourage them with a word from the scriptures you've been reading, with your hope uh, of, the, of Christ's return, with whatever God, however God has been working in your life or answering your prayers. That's how we encourage one another and we commit to meeting each together. Let me tell you a story about how I was massively convicted about this uh, uh, many years ago. Elisa and I were in Cambodia and uh, I was invited to preach at the church in the north in the Odomenche province. And uh, as I was preaching in this brothel turned church uh, with its all its old rooms were still there off the side where people would go and we were gathered up the top. I preached a message on Hebrews and I preached about the power of meeting together as Christians, especially in a world like Cambodia where everybody wants you to become a Buddhist again. Anyway, so I preached this sermon, obviously not in Cambodian because I didn't have the gift of tongues that day, but I had someone next to me who translated. And as he uh, 
finished translating and I finished my sermon, uh, the practice of this church is to sort of sit in this big circle and give feedback. Uh, so, like, they don't call it feedback, they call it sharing, and they, so they share something that you've learned in the sermon. And so I was like, wow, this is going to be interesting. So I'm sitting there uh, waiting for the feedback, and let me know if you want to start uh, bringing this into our uh, church. And there was this lady, and she started crying, and she started telling her story, and the story started getting translated. And this lady's story went something like this. I feel deeply convicted by the word of God today because this is the first time I've been to church in six months. My husband died. My son died. It's been rainy season and I just didn't feel like doing the five-hour walk through knee-deep water. But I'm here today. I'm so glad I'm here I shouldn't have stopped coming. And I'm thinking, it's probably okay that you've missed a few weeks. Like, <laughs> and yet, there was something deeply powerful about this woman who, in the depths of her despair and difficulty, understood the truth that there is something deeply powerful about being regularly committed to meeting together, and, and we just write it off too easy. I wanted to say to her, good job for coming back, it's fine. Uh, you know, like, you know, well done. She wanted to say, no, I've been a disobedient follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. The truth may be somewhere between my reaction and hers, perhaps, but nonetheless, she got this message that there's something deeply powerful about simply turning up where the people of God are, where they're accessing the throne room, of, throne room of grace through Jesus Christ in faith together. We can have confidence. We can come before God confidently because Jesus has died for us, and Jesus is at the right hand of God, interceding for us. And as we come together, as we commit to one another and to God, let us keep encouraging one another with the truth of the gospel, the hope of his return, and the power of God's work in our lives shared together week to week. Amen. <laughs>